Thank you for streaming the audio messages of the Fountain Church. Well, uh, I think that the table is an interesting deal because the table means something different to all of us, right? Like some of us growing up, we, we didn't have a good experience at the table. Like we may n- never have sat down and actually ate dinner with our family. Uh, maybe, maybe your table consisted of TV dinners, uh, TV trays, uh, maybe the floor in front of the television. And then others of us, I think, we actually had a great experience at the table. Maybe you ate every night with your family and you have some, some great memories or, or a big majority of your childhood, you have some great memories at the table. And I, I think for some of us, uh, we sat at the table, but the difficult part was the table was full of arguments. It was full of tension. Some of us sat at tables full of silence. And it was just really kind of a challenging deal. Then I think others of us, e- even now currently, maybe the table for you is, is a lonely place. Because maybe you sit at the table, but it's been by yourself. And it's just a reminder of the lack of in your life. And I want you to know that, that I want to be sensitive because I know that the table can be sensitive to different people. I mean, uh, if you don't know anything about sitting at the table growing up, you probably, you know, don't really know what you missed out on. If you really love the table, it's probably really sacred to you. But I want you to know that I've experienced both. Like, I know what it's like to sit down and have a great meal with family. But also know what it's like to have some beanie weenies and cup of noodles in front of the TV, right, on some of those late work nights. But, but as, as we, we dive into this, this series, I, I, was, I was looking at my kids the other day, and we, we try our best to sit down and, and eat dinner at the table together. And, and you guys know the complexity with the, with the eight-year-old, a, a six-year-old, and a three-year-old of trying to get them to navigate around the table. It's a little bit chaotic, Right? It's not uncommon that we sit down at the table and then right away somebody wants to get something to drink. And then another one wants to get something to drink. And then they drink all their water. And then, you know, all that good stuff. And then they want to hurry up and eat so they can go and play. Anybody, does that ring a bell to anybody here? And we want to teach our kids, like, the importance of the table. But, but not just because we, we want them to have good manners, which is important, and we do. And not just because we, you know, simply don't want them to embarrass us at restaurants as they're trying to run around and throw themselves and lay down, all that good stuff. If you have kids, this, this will make a lot of sense to you. But, but we just don't want them to sit at the table because they're supposed to. But we want to help our kids see the vision of the table, to see the potential and the possibility of what God can do at a simple thing like the table. I think what's interesting for me is that, uh, as you can see from this table, the tables are getting smaller and smaller these days. Shout out to Ikea. It's, it's really interesting. You know, back in the day, the, the goal was to get a large dining room table. Because the thought was we, we want to host people. We want to have neighbors over, right? We want to show some hospitality. But now it's, it's a little bit of a different day. Now, you know, we... We, we don't think so much in those terms. Maybe some of us do, but, but I think the majority of us, we don't think as much around the table as, as we used to. I, I think for us today, we don't have a lot of time to sit at the table. And honestly, I mean, you know, if you live in the Bay Area, we don't have a lot of money to host a lot of people at the table, right? Because... It, it, it can be challenging. I think that some of us, it's just the fact that the table is getting smaller is because we don't have the space to put a big table. 
But here's, here's the beautiful thing is, is even though the, the table may be shrinking in size, it does not have to shrink in purpose. Even though there, there may be a smaller place setting, it does not have to shrink in purpose. But, but there's this important aspect of our culture that I, that, I, that I think we really need to lean into because we're getting further and further away from the table. Even though the smaller the table does not mean that any of the purpose has changed, but I think in all reality the table is shrinking not because it's lacking in purpose, but because it's lacking, or not because it's lacking uh, in size, but because it's lacking in purpose. And so I, I want to give you this picture, Starbucks. Anybody familiar with Starbucks? So Starbucks is really interesting. This is a new drive through that we have off of Santa Rita. It's been open for a while. And what Starbucks started to realize is they built their culture around this idea of the table. That people would come in, sit down over a warm cup of coffee or an iced coffee, you know, with, the, with, the, with ambient music in the background, some warm colors in the room to create an experience, right, where people can come in, sit, and enjoy build relationships, et cetera. But they started to realize that most people that are coming in, they're not sitting at the table. They started to realize that most people are just coming in, getting their coffee and wanting to leave. So they were hesitant, but they kind of followed suit with some of the fast food chains, and they started to put in drive-thrus. And now they're putting in drive-thrus in, in every city, everywhere, because it, they're extremely profitable. And they found out that now 70% of a Starbucks business with the drive-thru uh, drive comes from the drive-thru. So it's just, it's just this idea that people don't want to sit around the table anymore. People don't have time. They don't have the space. They, 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 they got to get going. They're, they're constantly on the go. In fact, one of the consultants from Starbucks said it this way. He said, most of the people that were going in there were going in and out, Cook added. Things have changed. Everybody is more into this ease and convenience and speed. Ease, convenience, and speed. And so I'm just wondering if we might be losing something special. As small as this may sound, I wonder if we're, we're losing something special. Like, I don't think it's by accident that God created two things that we desperately need and depend on, right? If you're taking notes, you can jot this down. Food and relationships. Like, God just designed life this way. We need one another and we need food. Even though man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God, your body was designed for food. Yeah. It needs food. And so I thought, man, what a, what a, what a beautiful picture that, that God has, 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 has created these desires inside of us, these needs, these things that we depend on in both food and relationships, and the table provides a setting for both of those things. But I'm not even sure that we understand the table in our culture. A lot of different cultures understand the table in a whole nother realm. But I don't even know if we understand how much the table has actually impacted the world. You know, what's really interesting is you look at the Jewish people. Lots of money has been spent on trying to figure out the mystery of the success of Jewish people. Like, when you look at the Jewish community, some would say, hey, man, it's just the sovereignty of God because they're God's chosen people. And point taken. Uh, I'm not going to argue that point, Right? But a lot, of, a lot of homework has been done on trying to figure out why in the world when it comes to Nobel Peace Prizes do they average in about 40 to 50 percentile? Why when it comes to the Pulitzer Prizes that they, they average in about 25 to 30 percentile? And why when it comes to patents of innovation and medical and technology 
do they land in the realm of 40 to 50% of the patents that exist? When, when this, this population, they only make up about 14, there are only about 14 million Jewish people in the world, many of which uh, there would have been a lot more if it wasn't for the genocide through the Holocaust. But 14 million people, I mean, the, the statistic, the insignificant amount of people that is compared to the rest of the world is just mind-blowing. It's like 0.0002%, something crazy like that. Just, just a very small, what seems to be insignificant number, but completely have a huge impact on our lives and how we function today. It's just, it's mind-blowing. And so as millions of dollars have gone into research to try to figure out, man, what is the secret? What is the secret? And now I'm, I'm careful not to throw every Jewish person into one category, but, but I think when it comes to the Jewish heritage, there are some things that as they began to investigate, they started to find on this journey. And it, and it wasn't something that you would think, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't necessarily education, it wasn't necessarily uh, even the synagogue or their religious belief, even though it's, it's, it's kind of tied. But what they found through all of this research and millions of dollars of investment was it all pointed back to pretty much one of their most holiest moments of the week on the Sabbath found at the table. It's at the table. Because at the table, what, what, what happens at the table? Well, see, in, in Jewish culture, in, in their heritage, uh, they would talk a lot about stories. They would tell a lot of stories in the scripture. And that was what they would do. They would, one of the matriarchs or patriarchs of the family would, would sit and just tell the story of David, tell the story of Esther. And they said that you could never tell the story or you completely didn't understand the story until you can see yourself in David's shoes as he's staring Goliath or in Esther's shoes as she's looking at the king in the face. I mean, this, this, this is a big deal. They would sing songs at the table. And I think the beautiful thing is the kids didn't have a separate table. Kids don't sit at a little table. No, they sit at the table. Everybody gets a seat at the table. And so after telling stories and, and, and singing some songs, and, and there's so much I can go into on the Sabbath when it comes to the food and the preparation and all of that stuff, and then, then they would go into a time of debate. And I, I think this is so special because they invite the kids to ask the tough questions about Jonah being swallowed by a fish because they know that the greatest story, that God's story, can, cannot be challenged by anything. So they welcome debate at the table. Ask any question. And so see, as they're sitting at the table, what's happening is, is their hearts and their lives, their imagination, and their identity is being formed at the table. And so by the time that they're teenagers, for mass majority, I'm not throwing everybody in this category, but for mass majority that participate in this heritage, what, it, what ends up happening is when they're teenagers, they're not trying to find who they are. They already know who they are. And so they can spend their time, because their identity is secure, they can spend their time focusing on, man, how are we going to impact, innovate, and change the world? And this is not my opinion. This is just research that has been done in regards to this community. And I think it's special. When you, when you think about the table, the, one of the, the pieces of data that I came across, it was probably the, the, the most mind-blowing, is that when it comes to predictability, um, when it comes to predictive academic success, there's a small piece of data that, that's come out recently that says you are more likely to thrive in high school and college. You are more likely to skyrocket above everybody else 
if you have at least three meals at the table a week with your family. Which is just incredible. The simplicity, yet the power of the table. And the table's supposed to be life-giving. I mean, it's not supposed to be a, a place of, of, of a downer. Like, food is enjoyable. I mean, there's, there's, there's this sense of, of gathering around and sharing and confessing and, and talking and wrestling. There's just a beauty of, of, of conversating as two things happen. As our, our, our bodies are being refreshed, fueled, are enjoying, and relationships are being built. I mean, it's just, just, just such a clear picture. And so I don't think we should be surprised when we see all throughout the narrative of Scripture God showing up at tables. God just seems to show up at tables. In fact, as we look in the book of Acts, uh, book of Acts chapter 2, this was a key part of the early church. It says, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. You know, I think it's really interesting. I think today uh, we focus a lot and, and we work really hard on devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to prayer. But I think the spiritual disciplines of fellowship and sharing in meals is something that that's extremely lacking. And a lot of it is because the pace of our life, the, 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 the demands of our job. I, I know it's complex. I know it's a little bit more difficult. I know that things are running a 1,000 miles an hour, but we have to figure this out. We have to figure this out. And I, I know it's not, not popular. I, I know that it's not popular to want to slow down today. But I believe one of the spiritual disciplines that we need to rediscover is the spiritual discipline of fellowship and sharing in meals. That, that in this fast-paced culture, we would know what it's like to eat and to hang out and to enjoy a slow meal. A slow meal. I, I love what N.T. Wright said. N.T. Wright said it this way. He's a famous theologian. He says, when Jesus himself wanted to explain to his disciples uh, what his forthcoming death was all about, he didn't give them a theory. He gave them a meal. I mean, just think about that for a moment. Jesus is getting ready to deliver, I mean, the most incredible news, the most heart-wrenching and the most incredible news. And where does he do it? He does it at the table. He does it at the table as he's sharing a meal with his disciples. And, and Matthew is really going to help us. This is going to be our theme verse as, as we navigate over the next several weeks. And it's found in, in the Gospel of Matthew 26, verse 26. It says, as Jesus was getting ready to deliver this news, he says that they were eating and Jesus took bread. And after blessing it, he broke it. And then he gave it to his disciples. And he said, take, eat, for this is my body. And I think it's incredible because all of a sudden, we see this beautiful tapestry that God is weaving all throughout the New Testament of this blessing, this breaking, and this giving. And, and, we, and we, see it, we see it happen all the time. I love what Eugene Peterson said. He said it like this. He says, uh, Eugene Peterson has observed that this pattern of being blessed, broken, and given is at the heart of the Christian story. There he rightly insists, this is the shape of the Eucharist. This is the shape of the gospel. This is the shape of the Christian life. This beautiful picture at the table it's a beautiful picture of how God has designed us and called us to live as followers of Jesus, that our lives would be lives of blessing, of breaking, and of giving, that our lives would be blessed, that they would be broken, and that our lives would be given. 
And so we're just gonna look, we're just gonna look at one thing today. We're just gonna look at this first one that the table, if you're taking notes, you can jot this down, that the table is a place of blessing. The table is a place for blessing. I think about all the incredible moments that I've had at a table. I've had some bad moments at the table. But I try to remember the bad moments, and I couldn't remember a ton of them. But I deeply remember the good moments. And I remember that it was at a table that I sat across from my in-laws, and I asked for my wife's hand in marriage. Like how special, over a meal. And you guys know I was buying that day. <laughs> Important, guys, just letting you know. If you're going to go to a table, you're taking your in-laws out, make sure you're buying and, and then it was at a table that I proposed to my wife. It, we went to Napa, and, and uh, I had it all set up uh, in, in the apple orchards. There was a, a red and white checkered blanket, like picnic style. And the particular um, uh, venue ordered all of her favorite food and brought everything out on silver platters. I mean, it was just, it was like, it was so epic and, and very quaint. Very personal, just give myself some shots out. Jackie, remember this. Remember the table, Jack. And I'll never forget as they, they brought over the platter and, and in the desserts, we had some cookies and they took it off and the ring was in the center and I got on my knee and I said, will you, will you marry me? And at that moment, the game for me was really changed at the table. Outside of Christ, it was the most incredible moment of my life and still is to, to this day. But now I, I think fast forward. Let me show you a picture. Now when we date night, we love the table. So every year on our anniversary, we, we go to a little restaurant downtown Pleasanton called uh, Bakai or Bachi, whatever you want to call it. Um, and it's really cool because on their tables, you can color. You can color because there's like, it's like paper, you know, uh, placemats or whatever. Or no, the actual tablecloth is like paper. And so we can write, and we just, it, it's, it's a, it was at this table that we started uh, talking about we're going to have a family. And when we had a family, we started to write down vision and values of, uh, of what our life was going to be looked like and shaped by um, our mission for our home. And, and we would just go, and on this table, we'd always write date night. It's just a special moment as God was shaping us, as God was, was forming our home, as we were casting vision. As we were kind of reflecting on, man, what do we want our, our house to look like? And now fast forward, you know, we have a family and kids. And now uh, we lead the young adult small group here uh, at Fountain. And God is really impressed in our hearts in this season to invest in this next generation. And so Jackie and I, we're like, we're like hands on. And we just had this idea. We just had this idea. <laughs> you got Hercules in the back there. You see him? Um, we just had this idea. We said, man, why, why, don't, we just, why don't we just sit at the table? for, our, for, our, for our, our, our small group night. I mean, it was very spontaneous. It wasn't planned. It wasn't like we had this, this grandiose idea. It just said, man, I, I know that some students are in college. Some are, their, their families live outside of state. Some have not sat at the table in a long time. And so we said, why don't we do that? Why don't we just light some candles and we're just gonna cook every single week, except last week we had pizza. So the table doesn't have to be complicated. As you can see, it doesn't have to be complicated. It's very simple paper plates, soda cans, uh, some pizza, plastic cups. So it's not about the, the magnificence of the table. It's about what's happening at the table. And so, so what we do is we watch our, our we'll have our, our small group video from Francis Chan. We're in the Gospel of Mark. So we watch that and we hang out for a little bit. And then as soon as the video's done, we all, we start to eat. Everybody starts to grab some food and, 
And then we all sit down, the lights get dimmed. I had to brighten this up, that's why it looks so weird, because normally it's kind of dark. And, and then you can see some questions on the back of the screen in regards to uh, the scripture or the text that we're in on that particular week, and we just dialogue around the table. We just talk about life. We talk about, you know, our, our goods, our bads, our ugly. We talk about the challenge of wrestling through Scripture. And then, you know, we get on tangents and we start talking about other things. And then we come back and, and it's just such a sweet time. It's such a beautiful time. And so I think of all, all the, 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 how, much of a tab, how much the table is just simply a blessing. It's just, it's so enjoyable. It has the potential to be incredibly enjoyable. So even if you came from a home where the table was like, oh, I don't never want to sit at the table. I want to be in my room. I want to, I want to be in the living room. I want to be in front of the TV. Just don't want to engage with my family. Can I just tell you that the, the future potential of the table does not have to look like that. And so there's just something special that happens when we're eating and we're conversating. And the conversation just starts to flow. And then one person that doesn't really like to talk, all of a sudden three weeks in, they're like, they start to engage. And we're drinking soda and, uh, and, and eating pizza. Like, like this week, we're, we're going to have tortilla soup. So if you are a young adult, you want to be at our house. And it's just, it's just going to be such a, such a sweet time. It's such a blessing to be at the table. But, but see, and when we look at the narrative of Scripture, as we look back into this ancient culture, they got this. As we look into the, to the Psalms, look, look what... Look what the psalmist says. You cause grass to grow for the livestock and plants for the people to use. I love this. You allow them to produce food from the earth. Like God allows this to happen. He says, wine to make them glad, olive to soothe their skin, or another translation is to make their face shine, and bread to give them strength. I think, I think it's so beautiful because when you look at food, it's, it's amazing. God, God goes above and beyond just fuel. Like God is for your joy. Like how God created and designed um, creation is not for your misery. It's for your joy. Like you don't need oil to make your faith shine. Like, but God says, yeah, I want, I want, you, to, I want you to enjoy this. Right? I, I want you, God, God goes above and beyond just the norm so that you and I have the opportunity to not just get fueled, but to enjoy. And then I think it's so special because it says in verse two, and it's not gonna be on the screen, but it says in verse two that God stretches heaven out like a tent. Like God is just so vast. God is just so powerful. He says, man, he's laid the earth's foundation. Like all the way to the depth of the crust. And, and then it goes on to say that, that, that the mountains are in his hands. And so just get this picture. Ne- next to Mount Everest, next to the Grand Canyon, next to the galaxy, lies this beautiful mystery that God provides food for us to eat. Like, like next to all of those things, God places this idea of a plate that I allow food to be produced for your joy, for your well-being. And I just think that that's so awesome because I don't know if, if you're like me, but many times I miss that reality. I, I miss the reality that, that, that an opportunity to sit down at a meal is an opportunity for worship and to glorify God and to think about all the goodness that God has allowed 
That's why I think fast food is so, is so crazy. It's like, I love it. I love fast food. I love, I love Taco Bell after worship practice, confessions, right? I, I, I love In-N-Out. Like, I, I love fast food, but, but there's something about when you're making something from scratch and all of the ingredients, you realize the complexity of, of the table. And it allows you to say, God, in all of your goodness, you thought about these spices that would touch our 10,000 taste buds. Right? If God wanted just to create food for fuel, why 10,000 taste buds? But God just says, listen, God says, listen, all of these intricate things cause us. You and I get to enjoy a Chipotle burrito more than anybody else on the planet. Because people just eat it and they're like, man, this is good. But we get to eat it and we're like, God of heaven. Who brought forth cattle, right, and beans. Some of you guys are like, if you're a vegetarian, I'm just throwing it out there. <laughs> the cows enjoy your grass. They do. But listen, it's, it's because God allows. So all of a sudden, feeding the hungry starts to take on a whole different meaning. Not just so that they can get fuel, but so they they can experience the wonder and the beauty and the majesty of God and his goodness toward them. See how how much that that just kind of changes the game? But I I think it's hard for us because we live in a fast food culture. And we we live in in a fast food culture. Well, we don't have time for this. We don't have time to sit. And you say, well, I'm by myself. Man, you have a phone. Call somebody. Right? If, if, if it's your house, gather them up. It's going to be chaotic. Who cares? There's a little bit of chaos at the table. But I'm just wondering if, if we have missed the potential of what can happen in our day at the table because we're going so fast. And I love this because Jesus continues to give us a great picture of this in Luke chapter 9. Uh, there's about 5,000 people, just to set the stage for you, 5,000 men, not including women and children. Jesus is preaching all day. It's getting late. And his disciples say, as the day was near its end, the 12 came to Jesus and said, dismiss the crowd so they can go to the surrounding villages in the countryside for lodging and food. That's a great strategy. God, send them home. We don't have enough for these people. Get them out of here. And he said, we're in a desolate, they said, we're in a desolate place. But Jesus told them, you give them something to eat. But we only have five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Unless we go and buy food for all these people. And there were about 5,000 men. That's that's an expensive small group. (laughs) That is an expensive small group night. But I, I love Jesus' response. Look what he says. He said, but he said to his disciples, have them sit down. Have them sit down in groups of about 50. Like have them sit in some some groups together. And it says the disciples did so and everybody sat down. You know, the, the beautiful thing about the good shepherd is sometimes he makes us lie down in green pastures. Because the sheep, we just don't know how to lie down sometimes. And, and I, I'm, just, I'm just wondering for many of us, man, we, we, we are, we're, we're moving so fast. But I wonder if sometimes we're not able to receive because we're not able to sit long enough to receive. 
I, like there's something about being in a posture of sitting. There's something about being in a posture of rest that positions our heart to receive. You know, one of the greatest ways that God speaks to me, it's not what you think. It's not like, you know, you may picture me as a pastor in this, this place of prayer in this, you know, dark room somewhere with a candle. But where God speaks to me the most is in the twilight when I'm getting ready to wake up in the morning. It's when I'm at my stillest place because God knows me. You know, my, my brain errs on the side of anxiety. I I'm just want to go, 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 go. And God knows it's in the stillness. It's when I'm lying down, when I'm sitting in such a posture that God's voice is so clear to me because it's just everything else is still. Everything else is silenced. That's why, you know, here it's, it's, it's really important to us because sometimes it's hard to receive when we're not sitting. You ever try to eat standing up? We do this all the time. I'm guilty of this. Like, no, 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 you got to sit down. I'm just, just going to pace. How's everybody doing? I'm like, sit down. No, no, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. I'm just going to walk around a little bit. I've been sitting all day. I've been sitting all day. So you need to walk, and, and that's cool. I'm not hating on that. I do that all the time. But, but if we're always walking and we're never sitting, man, I'm just telling you that that's, it's, not a, it's, it's hard to receive when you're always in motion. You know, a lot of times we want to receive like, 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 a, like, a, like a, an athlete, right? We're like, here, just pass the baton, Lord, let's go. Right? And Lord's like, sit down. Get with some people. And watch what I'll do in the midst of that. And that's why we tell all our, all our serve team, and they, sometimes they hate us for us, but, but sometimes we have to make them lie down in green pastures. So we say, you need to sit one and serve one. Because it's really important. We know that, that as we're serving, sometimes we're not, we're not in a posture of sitting, so it can be really hard to receive what's, what God wants to speak. Because we're distracted. we got so many things going on. And so what am I telling you? I'm telling you that Jesus invites us to a table, not just to, to, to eat and taste all the things, not even just for relationships, but, but in a moment to rest so that we can be still enough to receive, so that we can be still enough to remember, so that we can be still enough to reflect on the beauty and the majesty of Jesus. It was awesome. We were looking at our small group the other night, and Jackie and I were sitting off to the side, and, and we're not lead, like we're leading our small group, but we have leaders that are leading. And so we're just watching everything happen, and we're just sitting off to the side. We're just like, man, how beautiful is this? Like just watching the young adults conversate, eat, talk, wrestle through the scripture. It was just such, such a beautiful picture. And so, so they, they sit down to eat, and Jesus goes on to say, he says, after taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven. What did he do? He said a blessing over them. Then he broke the loaves and he gave to the disciples to set before the crowd. The table was set and they all ate and were satisfied. And what was left over? Come on, God is in the business of leftovers. We serve a God of leftovers. Like there's always more than enough. There's always more than enough at his table. He told David, he said, listen, he said, Dave, your cup's gonna overflow. I want you to serve from a place of overflow. I want you to live from a place of overflow. And he says, and what was left over was picked up in 12 baskets of broken pieces. I just, I, 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 wanna, I want us to get this picture that, you know, sometimes we're thinking, there's just no way, man. I, I just don't have time for the table. For some of us, we can't even imagine going to the table because in our mind, it's, I don't even know if I'm gonna make it through the day. 
I don't even know if life's going to work anymore. I'm just not sure if this is what it was cut out to be. I'm just, I'm, I'm just not really sure. And, and the Lord is saying, listen, I know there's a lot of uncertainties. There's a lot of complexities. And there's a lot of good reasons not to sit at the table. But Jesus is inviting us to give us, to give him what we have, and to take a seat and to see what he'll do. Like simply, that's all it is. This is what we have, Lord. Got five loaves and two fish. Here's what we have. And he says, great, now take a seat. And so I, I want to encourage you today that I think in our day, it's important because the table reminds us, you know, when, when we're hungry, all of a sudden, it's a great reality, not just of that our body needs food, but of how dependent we are upon the Lord. I mean, Jesus incorporated this reality into the Lord's prayer, right? Give us this day our daily bread. Like, like food reminds us, our hunger reminds us of, of our desperate need for him. But again, sometimes we're moving so fast. And we're just going, 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 going. But, but at the table, we're able, to, we're able to hear a little bit more clearly. We're able to reflect a little bit more deeply. We're able to remember the reality of what we're doing, especially over communion. Like I'm blown away. I was convicted of how little we take communion in our house. I'm just like, man, like, and, and we, we do, but I'm like, man, this needs to be a regular part of the table. And I look at my kids running around and all this, and there's some beauty and there's all, it's, it's fun in that, but I've also thought like, and we've kind of set this tone in a lot of different ways. So God has just been speaking to my heart. I, I, I think again, I'm not looking at this as, as like, uh, you know, anything legalistic or anything like that. I, it, that's not the heart of it. The heart, just like Bible study and prayer, they devoted themselves to fellowship, to koinonia, to sharing with one another. It, it literally means, koinonia means I'm just gonna give my life away and you give your life away to, and to one another and just what's mine is yours. And to sharing in meals, even the Lord's supper. I'm just wondering what God will create if we just take a seat. I wonder what God will create if we just take what we have, put it in his hands and take a seat. The miracle the multiplication. Now, God, I just can't do it. God says, yeah, give me what you have and take a seat. The creativity, the healing, the innovation of what could happen at the table, the shaping, the forming. But the beautiful thing is this, it all starts with Jesus. It has to pass through his hands. Our lives have to pass through his hands. Let him bless us. Let him break us and let him change our heart in such a way that we would give ourselves to the Lord. It's a table of blessing, ladies and gentlemen, and it's a table that the Lord is inviting you to. So over the next couple of weeks, oh, actually over this next week, I want to encourage you to say, well, what do I do with this? Keep it simple. But maybe start, you say, well, we don't even have any kids anymore. Yeah, that's a great time to sit at the table again great time to sit at the table. Set the table. Or should I say the table is set? The Lord's just waiting for you to take a seat. Like you say, what if I'm by myself? Again, listen, you're not by yourself because you're in community here. And I know sometimes it's hard because of work schedules to get connected to a small group. 
But I, I, wanna, I wanna encourage you to get plugged, get connected. Man, listen, you can invite people to your home to sit at the table. It doesn't have to be this huge deal. It could be just a handful of people. But we like to say this, at least three, because two's a date, right? So don't be like, hey, would you come to my table? The table ain't set for that, gentlemen. Don't get any ideas there. But we need this Christ-centered community. We need this, this fellowship. And so next week we're starting uh, breaking bread dinner parties uh, within our small groups. We're going to be doing this throughout this, every semester. And so what, what am I saying? I'm saying, hey, get to one of these parties. Invite, listen, if you're already a part of a small group that's doing one, we told all our young adults, man, let's get, I mean, let's bring as many people to the table as we can. Invite your friends, invite your coworkers. We got some, some people in our small group, man, that you know, like they don't have a relationship with Jesus. They're navigating through stuff. They're trying to figure it out. We're like, yes, that's what, the, that's what it's about. And you're gonna hear more about that on this series. But I just wanna encourage you, man, sign up today. Get plugged in, take a seat. Just give them what you have. Trust them with it. Take a seat. Get around some people that wanna see God's best and see what he wants.